Welcome to the first episode of Make This, Do That, a podcast about asking questions and solving problems for artists and makers. My name is Michael Lorsling. I'm an artist, tinkerer, and experimenter. I decided to start this podcast because I realized that I spend a good bit of time talking to other people about questions that they have about making. These conversations are usually fruitful and sometimes lead to unexpected and interesting places. And I think that a podcast that showcases these conversations and moves them beyond their usual individualized context might be something that people would like to hear. So here we are. If you have a project, a question, or a problem related to making of any kind, please send an email to podcast at makethisdothat.org. Today on the podcast, we've got Daniel King with us. Daniel King is a writer and photographer who currently works at the College of Fine Arts at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. He's with us to ask questions and hopefully come up with some solutions regarding a project involving integrating audio seamlessly with traditional print media. Daniel, can you tell me a little bit about your idea? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Um, Well, probably the easiest thing for me to do is to say that... um, while I love tinkering with um, mechanical solutions to problems that don't start out as uh, mechanized problems in any way, um, and this would be a good example, I, um, when I was a kid, I loved books that had audio components to them. Uh, So, you know, the sort of um, books that are fashioned for kids and have buttons that make noises and that kind of thing. And, um, as an adult, I still find myself when I'm in a bookstore playing with those books. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I'm really interested in I've got I've got a series of projects that are publishing related projects and they're books essentially um, in you know in the works and um, I haven't really been happy with the options that I've come across in terms of providing a kind of audio component with with a, a book object. And I'm really interested in sort of finding a solution um, that will allow me to integrate text and image as well as field recordings or interviews or, you know, the spoken word. Uh, yeah, absolutely. With the, exper- with the experience of a book. <clears throat> and I mean, I think that's really sort of, uh, in my mind, when you came to me with this project, I think that's sort of key to the whole thing is that there's, you uh, you know, it seems like you're interested in, and I think a lot of people are in the physical nature of books and the ability for them to be both sort of tactile objects and vessels for information all at the same time. Um, and it's mm-hmm. funny that you, you kind of mention um, these children's books that are, that, uh, that I, I have no idea if they're still around or not, but I, I have the same recollection that you do of sort of interacting with these things in a very sort of rudimentary way, uh, pressing a button, hearing a sound bite uh, come back at you. Um, and the other thing that I was sort of reminded of when uh, you approached me with this was uh, the Hallmark greeting cards um, that were, I think, probably pretty popular at the end of the 80s uh, that included like a small IC chip that either played sort of a chip tune or, you know, maybe had the capability of, of recording a, a piece of audio data uh, and then playing it yeah. back upon the, the receiver opening the card. Um, what kind of yeah. how long are you envisioning these audio clips being? Well, I would really love them to be a little longer than, you know, a quick like two or three second piece of sound. It would be great if they were, you know, I'm thinking in the range of 30 seconds um, just to sort of get, you know, the thing that I love about the possibility of this is that is that the image by itself 
um, doesn't get at the thing that that the book is trying to get at, and neither does the text by itself. And so, uh, the audio component would be a, a kind of a third angle to approach whatever it is that the book is sort of dealing with. Um, and so having something like a 30 second or a one minute long component would be awesome, but I really don't know. I mean, the limits of what's possible, you know, that is sort of like, you know, that in, in some way that might prescribe what I do with <laughs> what I do with the solution, you know? Sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're yeah. familiar with the, uh, with the Maxim, uh, good, fast, or cheap pick two. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, usually sort of from an engineering perspective, that's always sort of the, uh, that's always the bottleneck is, is, is what does it need to do and how, how quickly does it need to get done? And, and, um, how, how much do you want to spend? Uh, you know, the yeah. good news is that we're obviously living in this time where our, uh, access to, um, technology is, is, has quickened at a pace that, um, I think is really difficult to keep up with. And it's one of the sort of impetuses behind this podcast, which is that it's impossible for anyone to know all of the things that are available to them, or even to begin to know where to look for them, I think at times. Um, but I, I've, I've kind of found a few solutions, um, that are sort of off the shelf, but I think, uh, it sort of depends on, on what it is at the end of the day. And I think this is kind of up to you and probably beyond the scope of this conversation to figure out, uh, of, of how much sort of interactivity and, and, um, how much, uh, uh, uh interaction you need from, uh, from the, the viewer or the reader, uh, in, in these cases. But the first thing that I kind of want to talk about is, uh, it's, uh, when, when you mentioned this and I, I mentioned this earlier, I thought about those, those chips and greeting cards. Uh, and it turns mm -hmm. out that you can actually buy those modules. Um, oh, right. and, and you can buy them directly from China, uh, like so many things that we can, can get now. Um, and you can get them, uh, that will hold a recording that's either 60, 120 or 240 seconds. Uh, oh, wow. and they price in right around between three and $4. Perfect. Um, so they're kind of absurdly cheap. Um, in, in terms of sort of scaling them for if you wanted to do multiples of a project or, or that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. you know, the downside is that you're, you're going to be somewhat limited, obviously in your time. Um, and then they're not going to be as customizable as doing something sort of from the perspective of say, taking an Arduino nano and coupling it with an SD card reader, and then, um, you know, adding some code and a couple of hardware components to that as a way to output sound. Um, mm -hmm. the upshot obviously with an off the shelf solution is that it's going to be kind of an all in one thing. And so even if it's not maybe the end solution, something like that might be, um, might be a starting point to sort of figure out, okay, well, how do these things physically integrate? You know, how do I want to trigger them? Are they triggered by, uh, a haptic mm -hmm. input from, from the reader? Uh, are they light mm -hmm. sensitive? So when you turn a page, it activates a particular, uh, uh, feedback from the device. Um, I think you have a lot of options that way. Um, and so that would be, that would certainly be one, one route to go. Um, and I'm really curious to see sort of how these things integrate with the object of the book. Um, because, you know, the book itself is such a sort of self-contained thing. Uh, I think really in my mind, when I think about this project and I think about sort of all the things that you described to me about the, the object of the book and everything else, it seems like it's really critical that this thing is integrated in a way that's not sort of intruding on the, the, um, the actual nature of, of the physical book. Is that, does that seem right? Yeah. I mean, I think that absolutely. Um, I think one of the challenges is that I don't want, 
the audio component and the kind of user experience of the audio component, whatever that might be, to become a kind of, you know, to kind of like trivialize the content of the book itself. And I don't, you know, I don't want this audio thing to just be like, oh, the book makes noise. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I also don't want it to be, I don't want it to create, you know, to force the book to be something other than a book. Um, uh, but of course I'm, you know, I think I'm open to what a book might look and feel like, um, you know, and it may, it may change the, the overall shape and size of the book, but I still want there to be a clear sense that this is, you know, this is a book object. Sure. No, and I, I think that's, yeah. um, I think the last, I think anytime you're integrating sort of technology or what we would consider to be contemporary technology into uh, an existing object or an object that we have a, a history with, you, you run the risk of, 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 I think, trivializing it as a really uh, apt way to put it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's super easy for it to become kind of uh, um, uh, upstaged by the, the gimmick and the novelty yeah. <clears throat> of the thing. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, when I think about this project, in my mind, the real challenge, um, after I did some research and found you a couple more options that we'll talk about in a minute here, the real challenge that came to mind for me was, and that I'm curious to sort of see your resolution of, is is uh, is integrating these things in a way that that really allows for them to be um, uh, to have their own identities, but to also sort of seamlessly integrate with uh, with the the sort of history and. Um, uh, existing notion of what a book is, whether that's sort of redefining that structure or, or really doing it in a seamless way. Um, yeah, that, that sounds really fascinating. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, the idea of a book obviously has become a lot more flexible, um, in, you know, the last, the last couple of decades as we move towards like you know, less materialized notions of what a book can be, <clears throat> audiobooks, you know, ebooks, that kind of thing. But, but also there's just, you know, there's a whole history of, of artist books and non, non-traditional books and, you know, um, thinking of, thinking of books in the widest possible way. And I think that there's something, um, there's something fascinating about, you know, finding a solution that allows the book to still be a book, but, cha- you know, challenges the notion of, um, of where the, where the, where the actual book exists, right? So does the book exist on the printed page or does it exist in the audio, you know, the audio component or does it exist, exist somewhere in between? Um, you know, that kind of thing is sort of, always kind of floating around my mind. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think these are questions that are, you know, um, I don't, I, I think they're great questions. And I think they're questions that are being asked consistently of, of sort of practitioners yeah. who are working in the quote unquote book arts, uh, whether that's from sort of a printmaking perspective or a writing perspective or a publishing perspective. Um, and I think they're pretty interesting. And I think the possibility of kind of, I think attacking it from uh, the perspective of an artist is, um, is, is, is a great way to do it because it, you know, it kind of allows you to free yourself from parts of baggage and be responsible for certain things and kind of choose what you want to be responsible for in that arena. Um, mm-hmm. The, the, the next solution that I, or the next sort of possible solution that I, I came upon um, was that there's actually a number of Chinese companies manufacturing these uh, small sort of MP3 
player boards uh, and it's just a module it has an integrated amplifier in it so you could put a speaker directly on it and then you know obviously it's not going to crank out a ton of sound but it's going to give you enough to to drive that speaker uh, mm-hmm. i think it puts out like two watts on a single channel um, which is you know for a small speaker would be more than enough to get uh what you need across to the to the viewer um, and then it's got some additional options which allow you to kind of move through tracks through um, kind of button input. And those buttons okay. are integrated into the circuit board, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you wanted to, you could certainly kind of hack that and, uh, and, and, and relocate those buttons either to physical buttons elsewhere in the book or to some kind of a sensor, uh, depending on how you wanted to do it and how involved you wanted to get. Um, but the really kind of, I mean, aside from, from the control aspect and the integrated sort of output of the thing, um, which gives you a little bit more flexibility. It also accepts a, a micro SD card. So you can put 16 uh, gigabytes of information on this thing. Oh, that's great. Which yeah. means that, you know, really you're not limited in any way to kind of a time right. frame in any practical sense. Um, and yeah. and those things, I think uh, you can get those on Amazon now for about six bucks. I think they're about five fifty. Um, so it's, again, a pretty affordable option when it comes to kind of scaling it maybe is a step up in terms of the amount of control and the amount of data that you can actually house on an individual object uh, from the sort of greeting card IC chip um, uh, format. Uh, and I think that could be a viable way to go too. It just kind of depends on, on how much control you decide you need. Um, and again, you know, the great thing about this is that, you know, for six, for the $6 price tag, prototyping something like that, you don't feel too bad about. <laughs> right, right. Um the other that sounds fascinating i mean i I think there's i think you know my first thought is that this could be a solution um that that could be you know integrated across a range of different book projects um and then the content of the audio content piece could be swapped out you know based on that sd card input sure yeah well i mean i think that's really the you know, I think thinking about it in terms of it being kind of a modular component where it's like, okay, this thing mm-hmm. can live in all of these different contexts. And the only thing that changes is the data. Um, yeah. I think that's a really smart way to think about it. Um, and then it also means that when you need to design a second and a third, you have sort of a format to work from. Uh, so you're not right. kind of reinventing the wheel every time and like going like, okay, well, I got to start over now. Um, it gives you the option to do that um, in a pretty straightforward way, I think. Uh, and the nice thing about these two first two options is they really don't require a lot of buy-in from you when it comes to going, well, what do I need to learn to be able to do this? What, you know, what kind of techniques, right. uh, what kind of processes, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, the last option that I sort of came up with that I think, you know, might work and might be something, I think, I think this is a down the road kind of thing, because I think the mm-hmm. idea of kind of figuring out like, well, what is this, you know, make the first one, make the prototype and go, okay, does the format work? Uh, how do I need to, you know, what does the book need to be versus what does the audio component need to be? Um, I think that's a, a great place to start with either of those two first options. And, and yeah. then the final sort of maybe iteration of this, if you come up with something that really needs, you know, extra control, the ability to sort of be more responsive uh, to user input outside of sort of a button or a, a, a switch would be to actually go sort of the microprocessor Arduino route. Um, and there's a ton of documented sort of examples of prior art on this when it comes to, to people wanting to play audio files back 
via an Arduino. Um, it's not something that the board is capable of doing on its own, but with the addition of a couple circuits, it's a relatively simple thing uh, to achieve. And the nice thing about that is that then you can also engage with all of the other abilities of that Arduino, which would be to take input in a variety of different ways. Uh, you know, you can integrate touch sensors, you can integrate uh, light and humidity and temperature sensors, all of these things. And so if you wanted to get sort of really into this object, being responsive to both a user and an environment and sort of changing output based on a various, uh, various kinds of input, that would be uh, mm. a, a means to do that. Um, do you have uh, in mind sort of a first book for this uh, project or is it kind of just like, I know that I want to do this. These are sort of media formats that I'm interested in and I'm, I'm really at that stage. Yeah, I think it's a little of both. I've got a, a book project that is um, is planned for the spring and summer this year. Um, <clears throat> and it has to do with, um, uh, I've got a kind of call for submissions open, um, uh, asking folks to, to, to re-look at photographs that are their personal photographs and... Um, and reconsider what those photographs mean to them. So it's a simple activity. It's based on a simple activity or exercise, which is basically to look at a photograph that you know personally and um, through writing um, develop a bigger or wider expression or understanding of what that photograph is. And, um, and so I'm asking people to send these submissions in. And <clears throat> my intention is to is to publish a book from those submissions um, and I'm really also interested in a kind of audio component as part of this book which may be a series of um, you know a series of one-on-one -on -one interviews with some of the people um, so that I can kind of pair the their vo you know their their kind of story and voice with the image that they've sent in um, and that that's kind of interesting to me, and I think that's kind of like the a rudimentary idea for the book itself. Yeah, and I think this um, idea of of you know using photographs as as um, vehicles for storytelling, sort of outside of the narrative of the image as it was taken and the context that it was taken, I think pairing that with yeah you know field recordings or uh, or interviews um, is a really interesting idea yeah. um, because I think that it sort of adds a component of documentation and sort of documentarian. Uh, modes of working uh, to something that we would sort of, you know, you think about a, uh, a collection uh, of photographs in a book and, and it, and it's a very, um, you know, photographs, they provide us with a ton of information in a single dimension. Um, and I like the idea of, mm. of sort of uh, setting that up next to uh, these audio recordings, which do the same thing in a very different way. And I'm curious to see sort of yes. how that, um, how that comes together. Um, before I sort of, I'd, I'd like you to talk more about that project. Um, but before we move on, I'm, I'm just curious, do you have any sort of based on what we've talked about, are there any questions that you have or, or any sort of <laughs> gaps in what we're talking about? I'm sure there are. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a challenging conversation to have at a distance because I think in some ways, um, uh, this kind of trying to solve a technical problem sort of dialogue, um, it, you know, it begs, it begs for more visuals, you know, it's like, I want to be able to, um, sketch out visually what, 
you know, what I might have in mind or, or what the shape of this thing might look like. And um, I'm really interested in, I think that I lean more towards the sort of MP3 player board option, which would allow for uh, a wider um, spectrum of audio material um, being integrated into the, into the book object. But um, again, I'm, I'm also really fascinated with these little modules, these little like, you know, sh short audio snippet modules that could be integrated, maybe even multiple modules within any one book. And, uh, you know, and, and to be able to, to, um, I think also there's something about these mod, the little modules that seems interesting because I can imagine having, let's say, a limited edition of 25 books produced, <clears throat> and then each of the books gets different audio. Yeah. So there's really none, no book is the same, um, but they're all, you know, from the outside, they all look like the same book, but the experience of the book would, eat, would be different from, with, from one to the other. Yeah, they're sort of um, impressioned differently through the audio. <clears throat> Yeah. And I think there's something, you know, there's something interesting about that as well. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess my question to you would be, um, how, uh, I have never, I've never played with these MP3 player board, um, objects. What are, how, how difficult is it to order them and then, and sort of play around with them and, and get them to work? in a functional way. Have uh, I haven't that? worked with these boards in particular, um, but I've worked with a, kind of a wide variety of things in a similar arena. Um, and, and my guess is that mm -hmm. they're relatively straightforward to use. Um, a couple of the challenges that I can sort of imagine you having to kind of deal with would be, um, would be power. Um, you know, um, uh -huh. obviously, you know, ideally you really don't want a book to have to be plugged in, um, because that just feels right. wrong. Uh, uh, and it really kind of like ruins the illusion of like, this is a book, but it's also an audio object and it's, you know, it still retains sort yeah. of the portability <laughs> and the um, uh, independence that a book as an object has. Uh, but, you know, one thing that I was sort of thinking about and um, was that uh, a, a possibility would be to integrate a small uh, lithium polymer battery into these along with a wireless charging unit. Um, so the thing could be basically sat mm, on a pad, right. especially in a gallery or something like that. Um, where the thing, you know, is able to sort of charge itself and it's really unobtrusive. And again, that's the kind of thing, those, that technology is out there. It's super available. Um, you can pick those modules up for, um, I think probably under about 20 bucks a piece, which actually makes that the most expensive mm -hmm. part of the whole sort of, uh, ordeal. Um, but you know, I, th I think what you going back to what you said earlier about sort of trying to have this technical conversation over a distance. I mean, I think you're right. It absolutely is. I think that is the challenge. And, um, one of the things that I, you know, that I should mention is that, um, sort of all of the pieces of technology that we're talking about now will be up in the show notes. And so you'll be able to see those and anyone else obviously will be able to access those and kind of see what we're talking about in real time as they're listening to the podcast. Um, and, and I also think this is a good point to say that if, um, if you are listening to this and you want to comment, um, there is a comment section on the website underneath, underneath each individual episode. So if you have an idea or a thought, or a correction, um, which I'm sure there'll be plenty of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. I'm sure Daniel <laughs> is, um, you know, and I'd like for these conversations to really be beginnings. Um, you know, we're having this conversation, but we're fortunate enough to live in a time where this conversation can sort of organically evolve, um, you know, and whether that's through 
commenting or through, um, you know, I don't know if you plan to sort of make any of the development of this public, but I think those are really interesting opportunities to kind of involve people and to let people sort of understand that process, which I think, I know for me, um, the opacity of those processes is oftentimes the thing that makes me not start a particular project because it's just like, I have no idea. I'm in a dark room. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think there's a couple other challenges involved with the, with those MP3 player boards, but I think buying large, um, the sure. problems with them have already been solved. And I think that's one of the things that I'd really like to kind of point out here is that um, anytime I think about doing something, I try to imagine where that thing has already been done. Um, because we also mm-hmm. live in a time where so much so many problems have already been solved for us. And it's a matter of sort of recontextualizing those solutions uh, and understanding them in a, maybe a slightly different way uh, to where they work for uh, what we need to do, or, or they give us sort of a, a starting point to where we can go, oh, okay, yeah, I know a thing that does something like this. Uh, how do I sort of, you know, remap that and make that into something that'll work for what I need it to do? Cause it's similar, but it's not exactly the same. So I see those as being challenges, but I also think that they're probably well within the realm of of what you're capable of, and really what anyone's capable of when it comes down to it. Um, it's it's uh, it, it's not a high ask uh, in, in, uh, from a technical perspective. Right. Yeah. No. I you know I think you said something that that I think is really valuable valuable, and that is that whenever whenever uh the artist has a challenge a, a some kind of a technical challenge in front of them um in many ways it does feel when looking at the final outcome that the process uh is so opaque getting from start to finish and um obviously most most um projects as it were go through a series of iterations in one form or another um, and most of the most of the iterations are what the artist may consider failed attempts but <laughs> you go through those failed attempts uh, and you keep going through them until you until you find an outcome that makes that makes things work yeah absolutely and I think that um, one thing that's really helpful at the outset of a project like this is to sort of break it down um, into sort of constituent parts. Um, you know, you, you know that you want a book that does this and does that, but what does it actually mean for a book to play audio? And I mean, like break it down. Like you're telling someone who's never opened a jar of peanut butter and never seen a loaf of bread, how to make a peanut butter sandwich. Um, you know, it's that sort of same exercise that they give to students communications classes where it's like, you need to sort of lay out every step of this. And I found that doing that actually gives me a, a boost in confidence because it feels a lot more manageable because it's like, oh, okay, I can work on this small part and then I can work on this small part and I'm not trying to sort of eat the whole elephant right. as it were. Um, but I think that's a, with peanut butter, with yeah. Peanut butter. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that's a really useful technique to sort of starting to understand, you know, where the challenges are because sometimes that's the other thing is that it's like, I'll come up with an idea and I'll think like, oh, I know, I know why this is going to be hard. And then it turns out halfway through, it's hard for an entirely different set of reasons. Um, right. And so sometimes it's good to be able to sort of anticipate some of that stuff ahead of time. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good handle on um, on the kind of wrangling the image and text portion of a project like this. But uh, of course, none of that's easy, but it, it come, you know, in terms of technical challenges, it comes a lot easier to me than, 
then wrangling the sort of, you know, the kind of digital audio input components that may, uh, you know, the actual object of how do you make, how do you in, incorporate audio into the book? That's the part that's the hardest for me. So I think there's, I assume that's going to be the hardest part. And, um, you know, along the way, I may stumble through and find an easy solution that is easy enough. And then I realize that it's, you know, back to the text and image that's always going to be challenging. Yeah, no, and I'm <laughs> sure it's going to be sort of a, a back and forth, uh, or at least I would hope. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously the text yeah. and image are definitely in your wheelhouse. And uh, I don't think this is that far out there. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty fascinating, um, especially when it comes to the uh, the old image exchange, new old image exchange uh, project, which I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about yeah. and kind of take a little bit of time to plug here. Sure. <clears throat> so I'm really excited about this um, new old image exchange, which um, that's, this is actually an event, a one day event that, that we're putting together, um, uh, me and two other individual artists. Um, <clears throat> we're organizing this thing on February the 12th. And I don't know if this is going to air before that or not, but, <clears throat> um, February 12th, it's in Athens, Ohio. Um, it's actually being hosted by the school of art and design, uh, at Ohio university. Um, <clears throat> And essentially, we are putting together a day of readings, presentations, and discussions, uh, bringing in individual speakers to, to present their own versions of this process of reconsidering personal and forgotten photographs. Um, and so we've, we've been able to put together a, a pretty stellar um, selection of speakers. Uh, we've got um, a keynote speaker, Carmen Wanant, who's uh, an amazing art history, uh, art historian, and um, photographic artist in her own right, and writer. Um, and sh she'll be giving a keynote lecture to sort of wrap the whole thing up. But <clears throat> we've got panel discussions with um, artists Laura Larson and, and um, Athens Poet Laureate, um, Carrie Gunther Seymour, and um, some visual artists and video um, filmmakers from Columbus, Jonathan Johnson, and um, Brian Harnady is is uh, an alumni of Ohio University, but he is um, a fascinating um, audio sound artist, and he's currently um, doing a kind of project in the Wayne National Forest where he has these forest listening uh, events where he he takes out a small group of people they walk out into the forest and he's got audio and speaker equipment set up and he plays these kind of audio collages that he's put together from field recordings and archived audio tracks from the history of the area um, so he's really tuned in to sort of how audio <clears throat> can play into a narrative and um and especially how it sort of helps define our understanding of a place. And um, who else do we have? Ray Klimek is um, an amazing writer and, uh, and a photographic artist, and he'll be there. Um, Cameron Granger is a filmmaker from Columbus, a young filmmaker who's doing really cool things. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we've got a whole list of people. Um, and the the idea for the for the event is to sort of think of it like a a kind of experimental symposium where instead of bringing people together to, to talk about academic scholarship and, and projects that they've finished, uh, we've challenged all of these speakers to make something brand new just for the presentation. <clears throat> so everybody brings a kind of, you know, a short presentation and they're going to show their image to the, to the audience and we'll talk about it. And then we'll have group discussions after that. And, um, 
it's it plays into this whole um, idea that I've just been really interested in recently, which is that an individual photograph can be uh, a gen it can be thought of as a generative tool, right? You can look at a photograph and generate. Um, all sorts of things, especially thinking about what's outside the frame of the image and, and how the world outside the image is just as important and plays into our understanding of the world inside the image. And, um, yeah, so that that's sort of the, the gist of it. Um, I'm working with um, Cassidy Bronner is another uh, photographic artist, and she's at Ohio University. Um, so she's co-curating the event with me and um, Courtney Kessel is the director of galleries and an amazing artist in her own right. And she's also helping put the event together. And she's the one who helped us to, to um, secure Carmen Wenant's participation as the key. Well, that sounds speaker, great. So. And um, you guys are also still accepting submissions. Is that correct? Until uh, January 30th. Um, that's right. So we have um, we have a submission process, and and um, if, if if listeners want to go to newoldimages.com, <clears throat> there's a, a submission process online. Essentially, uh, anybody can take an image, a photographic image of their own, and so we're not trying to get people to do like respond to found images on the web or something like that, but instead finding something that's a personal photograph to them. They can be the maker of the photograph or they can own it as, you know, just something that's in their possession. But, um, but yeah, they can submit. Um, we're asking for 350 words or less uh, written submission, and then they'll email the image itself uh, to our email, newoldimages at gmail.com. But that information is on the submission form online. Great. Well, I'll make sure that we get it. And uh, submissions... Oh, that's yeah, okay. Sorry. I'll just make I'll make sure we get a a link to that uh, up in the show notes because uh, I plan to have this out in the next week or so. Um, the, the other question I had is: Is the symposium open to the public then, or? Absolutely, <clears throat> yeah, it's open to the public. It's free to attend. Um, we're going to have two different sessions. We'll have an afternoon session from one thirty to three o'clock, um, and then we'll have another session in the evening, five to eight. Uh, actually five to seven and then at seven o'clock is when Carmen Winant will speak as the keynote. So yeah, we're hoping uh, to bring people in and um, really just uh, take, you know, to sort of engage people in this idea that sitting around talking about individual photographs can be a really kind of fruitful and interesting way to, to uh, build dialogue. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, that sounds great. I, um, I really appreciate having you on today and that uh, you took the time to talk to me and, uh, I will get all this up and uh, yeah, thanks again. Thanks, Michael. It was a pleasure and uh, I'm excited to explore some of these solutions. Um, I think that I think there's some real promise in some of the in some of the solutions that you proposed, so I'm gonna do some more uh, research on that and I'll keep you I'll keep you up on yeah, that. Yeah, keep us updated and uh, I'll make sure to send you uh, the links that we talked about and again, they'll be posted in the show notes as well. So thanks. Uh, thank you again, uh, Daniel, for coming on here. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time. Make This Do That is produced and edited by Michael Lorsling. Theme music by Jay Lang, copyright 2012 under the Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening. If you have a question or something you'd like answered, explored, or otherwise examined, please feel free to email podcast at makethisdothat.org.